Welcome to the Mexico Business Now podcast. This is A View from the Top, an open space for industry experts to share knowledge, information, and expertise on the most relevant topics, events, and happenings on their corresponding sectors. Welcome everyone to the newest edition of the Mexico Business Now podcast. I'm your host, Sofia Hanna. Let's welcome today's guest, Daniela Ordóñez Flores, Design Lead and Special Projects Associate at Someone Somewhere, and Nadine Abdala, Head of Growth of Someone Somewhere. Before we start, I would like to give an introduction as to what Someone Somewhere does. It is a lifestyle brand that aims to get millions of artisans out of poverty, combining traditional embroidery with fresh products aimed at the contemporary market. Someone Somewhere is a digitally native vertical brand that provides employment to artisans in Mexico's poorest villages. Daniela Nadine, thank you so much for being here with us. Welcome. Thanks for having us. We're happy to be here. I would like to start off the podcast by asking both of you, where did the idea behind Someone Somewhere come from? And also, how has this business become a profitable model that can be expanded to even other countries? Yes, we would love to answer that question. Someone Somewhere was founded because the founders have known each other since they were little kids. They basically known each other their whole lives. And through the years, they got the opportunity to go to these artisanal communities. So what they saw there was this amazing world and this amazing beauty of the whole artisanry. They got to know exactly what was an artisan, what was their livelihood, what was behind all the meaning, all the beauty, all the colors. But also they got to see a really harsh truth behind that world. There were some really harsh numbers. There are right now 300 million artisans just in Latin America, Asia, and Africa, and 200 million of them are living in extreme poverty. So there was a really alarming number. Besides that, 90% of these artisans are women. Why? Because men have to leave the communities to go find jobs somewhere else. And they, they leave the communities and they even have to leave the country to make money to send them back to those communities. So women are left doing all the work. They are in charge of these communities. And also, it doesn't only impact them. It impacts their kids, their parents, their brothers, their sisters. So if we count all the people impacted by this problem, it counts up to 1 billion. So that being realized, they couldn't stand without doing anything. They needed to do something. And that's how Someone Summer came to be. So its mission is to lift those million of artisans out of extreme poverty. So as Danny mentioned, the numbers were very cool. There was something we had to do about it here at Someone Somewhere. But the reason we're a profitable business and how we make it work is through our social enterprise model. So we kind of sit in between the private sector and the impact space, making sure that we're a for-profit business and bringing dignity and integrity to their artisanal work. So how we do that is we started off as a D2C brand, D2C meaning direct-to-consumer. We started selling our products here in Mexico online. We opened physical stores due to the demand, and then we increased in the United States, which is really exciting. So we became a profitable business because we were able to find a market for artisanal goods with a modern touch. We work with our design teams, we work with the artisans to make sure that we're satisfying a need in the market with our direct-to-consumer products. Why we've been able to grow so much over the last couple of years is something that Danny and I have been working on directly, our business solutions arm. That has really revolutionized 
the demand that we can find by working with large businesses to help them with their business objectives, to create products that kind of fit within their value chain, help with the customer need, client experience, et cetera. And that creates more demand for artisans and more profit for us. Thank you, Nadine. Also, would you say part of this solution being developed by the company is incorporated within your value proposition that would differentiate you from competing alternatives? And also, how sustainable is your competitive advantage in a world of constant change and innovation? It's a really good question and a hard question that we ask ourselves every single day. I think, as Danny mentioned, when we first started out at Someone Somewhere, our business model looked a little bit different and requires us to adapt and be innovative every single day. An example of that is what we were just talking about with business solutions. So we couldn't just remain a direct-to-consumer brand. We had to launch business solutions to make sure that we're having this continued demand and impact in communities. But you bring up a good point. Our value proposition right now, especially for businesses, is we help them find sustainable as well as socially impactful products to meet their business needs. That currently is a huge need in the market that we're seeing because businesses are having to respond to consumer demand and we're helping them do that. Should that change in the future, the cool thing about Someone Somewhere is we are an agile company, we're a startup, we're really focused on the mission and the cause. And every day we ask ourselves if this value proposition still works or needs to be pivoted. And the good thing about that is we're constantly pivoting. We had to do it a year ago. We're doing it again today. So I think the lesson to all companies is your value proposition might not be sustainable for a long time. So how do you keep iterating and changing with your consumers, with your clients in a way that's acting in integrity for your organization and your values at the same time? Great, Nadine. Now, we are talking about being innovative after having gone through so many issues worldwide. And my question here is, what was the impact someone somewhere had with artisanal communities during the quarantine? Was this part of what was taken into consideration when developing the current value proposition? And what is being implemented to generate a deeper positive impact nowadays? It's a really good question. And I mean, the pandemic really changed the world as we know it, it was really challenging for us as a social enterprise because as we know, a lot of the artisans we work with were reliant on tourism. So that was really reduced in Mexico and also was reliant on demand. And we know that people's buying decisions were changed during the pandemic due to their economic situation. So for us, we were very worried about all of the work that we've been doing kind of being reduced to nothing and really having a negative impact to communities. So what we did was a couple different initiatives. We had a bunch of safety initiatives within the communities so making sure that the artisans were safe and we were able to work with them. We kind of fully built capacity so that they can be digital. So we worked with them digitally with WhatsApp. We worked with Google, Meet, et cetera, so we could actually continue to develop products with them. We also developed whole new products that were more targeted towards the pandemic, right? So we created face masks to make sure that the artisans were creating things that people actually needed and responding to the consumer needs. And then, like I mentioned, so Danny and I work hand in hand in business solutions. We started this business solutions arm as a response to the pandemic to make sure that we didn't have any reduced demand for the consumers as well as for the artisans. And what that resulted in is we were able to triple our impact. We were able to open up new communities. We were able to work with more artisans more profoundly so that they can be lifted out of poverty. You mentioned that all of this work was done mainly through digital channels. Could you tell us more about that and how was the process towards helping them understand the technology and strategies used to make this model work? 
Yeah, for sure. I can start us off and then I get over to Danny to talk more about how she works specifically with the artisans because as our design lead, she works with them more hand in hand on the business solution side. But I mean, there's always a transition when we think about using technology, whether you're in rural communities or you live in a city center. So for us as a business, we had to become fully hybrid or fully remote and started using Google Suite that was very helpful for us. So Google Meet, Google Docs, Google Sheets, et cetera. And then we actually went to the communities and helped train them. So the cool thing about that is each of our communities has an artisan leader. So we like to have communities and collectives and we worked with them to make sure we were training the trainer and making sure that everyone was building capacity in a way that is understood by those living in the communities and by us. But I think Danny has some really cool examples. Yes, of course. I think what was really special about this transitioning into the digital world is that we had previous experience with that. Maybe not in the digital world, but when we first introduced something new to the artisans, they are always a little bit nervous and hesitant. And then when we work with them hand in hand, they can see that they can totally do it. They start to feel more confident and then they can do it on their own. And I think that this digital world was the same. Like at first they were a little hesitant. They didn't know if they were going to make it. But then when we started working with them hand in hand, they saw that they could do it, that it was easy, that it was actually making their lives easier. So I think that was great. And also we had to develop tools too, to work with them. Before the pandemic, we went to the communities almost every week. We were there all the time working with them. We, we had all the physical things that we needed in the communities. So now, as Nadine mentioned, we couldn't go there all the time with COVID because they were really vulnerable to this disease. So we didn't want to put them at any risk. So our visits to community decreased so significantly so that we couldn't be working with the physical artisanal materials that we had there. So we need to create these tools. So we developed all these manuals. We digitalized their artisanry so that we could work with this remotely. And then they sent us pictures. We made them digital so that then we could be mocking up the artisanal elements here with them. And we can move around colors in real time and we didn't have to go there. We didn't have to expose them. So it was a really challenging time for not only for them, but for us, because what we known before was doing it physically. So then we had to transform and they helped us with that process too. Because when we were showing them those manuals, those new digital manuals, they were like, oh, but maybe you can incorporate this and that could be more helpful for you. Or this technique could be easier to work remotely. So then we can start working on that. So it was a process not only for them, but also for us. But there was definitely a lot of learning in this process. And there are things that we take with us about this pandemic that we are definitely incorporating for the future. Like we, we saw that it was extremely functional to work with them remotely because they could be in a really safe environment and we can create amazing designs and we didn't need to be all in the same space. Also, I imagine that by being a socially responsible company, the emotional part is very present. 
dealing with the artisanal groups that were accustomed to your visits almost every week and the constant interaction and changing that to a technological change. And not being a known ground makes me wonder if this was also a factor to work on or if it was a smoother transition. Yes, that was definitely something that we needed to work with them. But I think what really helped was the relationship that we built before with them. We have a whole impact team that they are in charge of going to these communities and bringing all these workshops about everything, not just digital technologies. You know, doing manufacturing is not the same as dealing with people that are in a way used to supporting each other within their communities and by you guys being a part of their communities in a way. So dealing with this impact, what was that like? Super. Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. For us, obviously, everything we do is based in impacting people's lives and not just on the artisanal side of things, but we also have industrial partners here in Mexico that, you know, are reliant on our demand in our business. But I think instead of them getting used to us not being there, what it really pressure tested for us was if our model works. Does the model work? Does the capacity we're building in communities work? Do the workshops that we're having, training them about supply chain, training them about operations, training them about being self-sufficient artisans, because the artisans we work with, we are their clients, right? So we pay them for their services and really bring dignity to artisanal work. So for us, it was obviously a transition of not going to communities. It was more about making sure that our model actually works. And during the pandemic, we saw that it did, which is really exciting for us. That's great to hear, guys. Now, we talked about two circles that are involved in someone somewhere, but I do think we need to talk about the third participant in all of this, the consumer and the parted place. So as a company that focuses on society, what role does the consumer behavior play in achieving its objectives? Yes, so nowadays we are seeing that us as consumers of everything, our choices have impact. They can be a positive impact or a negative impact, but all of our consumer choices have that impact. So now we are seeing that consumers are moving more towards that social and positive impact, and more specifically after the pandemic, because we saw how the world can easily change and how some aspects are more vulnerable than others. So we are definitely taking advantage of that consumer behavior. Because we, we want people to make the most conscious choice as possible. And that applies to our direct-to-consumer channel. We try to make them, if you are buying something for yourself, it has to be the most sustainable option in every aspect. You know, not, not just in the, in the social aspect, but also it has to be the most sustainable one, the most smart one. But we can also reach those change makers in our business solution sites because there is always that one person who makes that choice. So we want to really reach those more conscious consumers. And I feel that the world is changing right now. Everyone is trying to make better choices. So we are definitely leaning towards that and adapting towards that tendency. I think something that Danny said that's really important to emphasize is this part about the impact you can have in business solutions. So a lot of organizations right now 
are having to respond to the changing consumer behavior, like Danny told us, and they don't know how to do it. And luckily, we live and breathe this. We think about how do we build sustainable value chains, clean value chains, things that make an actual positive impact. And so companies are coming to us with these needs because their consumers are demanding it. Their shareholders are demanding it. So we've been able to really capitalize on this and build more impact because consumer trends have changed so drastically, like Danny mentioned. Thank you very much both. We have talked about someone somewhere. However, I do want to focus on both of you for a moment. And I want to do so by knowing what do you consider to be your role as leaders of this company in the improvement and advancement of Mexico? What moves you to make a change in this company and not anywhere else? I think that we need to become leaders and better leaders because we can't look away from the problems. For example, we are attacking this problem of millions of artisans living in extreme poverty and we are generating constant jobs to lift them and so that they can lift themselves out of poverty but just like that there are millions of other problems that we need to attack so that's why we can't look away we need to be better leaders so that we can start solving those problems from the root not just putting a band-aid on the problem but really realizing what is the problem, what it takes to solve it. So us and someone somewhere are really, really passionate about this, about creating a really impactful change, not only in this artisans in Mexico, but our aim is to get through those artisans in the whole world. So we see that the problem is really huge. So we need to really be working on that. Um, that's the passion that moves us really. But I think that we are being leaders and examples to other people so that they can go out there and fight for the problems that are existing. Because like we said, we are only attacking a few of them. Like we try to be as holistic as possible, but people need to not look away from this. People need to realize these harsh truths to move towards this change, to move towards this to make uh, a better Mexico, and not only a better Mexico, but a better world in general. Thank you, Danny. Nadine, could you add your perspective to this? I think Danny's answer gives you a little sense of why I'm even here at Someone Somewhere. To give a bit more context, I'm Canadian. I worked in corporate for years and then decided to, to come to Mexico to work with this project, with this organization. And a large part of being a leader for this company is getting to work with people like Danny and people like our entire team who actually believe that we can have a change and are having a change. So that is really exciting to be a leader of this organization and be a part of that and constantly think about new challenges. How do we pivot? How do we actually have a positive impact on the world? So I won't belabor that point because I think Danny said it so well, but I think another point of why I'm here at someone somewhere and, and what really drives me every single day is seeing the growth in our team. You know, like we are growing exponentially and to grow attacking this cause is so cool. 60% of our team is women, which is really beautiful to get to work with women every single day while impacting female artisans. Like Danny said, 90% of the artisans we work with are female. So I think that's really powerful to be a woman in this space, to work alongside women that help the beneficiaries that are women. 
especially in Mexico and especially in the world, I think that's really special. And I'm grateful to be able to do that every single day. That's beautiful, guys. Congratulations for all the work you're doing. Even in your voice, there is a lot of passion and it's really nice to hear. Now, moving towards my next question, what are your main concerns about operating someone somewhere in Mexico now and in the long term? I mean, it's not the most pleasant question, but sometimes a question we need to think about, especially as we're thinking about growing. There are a couple of challenges that we're foreseeing right now, especially at someone somewhere in Mexico and internationally. So I'll tackle them kind of in those three ways. At someone somewhere, our biggest challenge right now is making sure we're adapting to be more environmentally conscious. So we are a social impact organization. We understand that the environment actually impacts the most vulnerable people in the world. So for us to actually have positive impact, we need to be more environmental and that's challenging. That means finding new types of materials, working with regenerated cotton, recycled polyester, but that is scarce. I don't think everyone's moving at the same pace that we're hoping to move and that's expensive. So, you know, it's challenging for us to kind of deal with that from a monetary perspective and also translating that cost to our consumers. I think in Mexico in general, something that we kind of struggle with is, is how do we continue to scale internationally? So we're a Mexican brand that is trying to be an international brand. And I think we're doing that successfully because we've launched in the States with great success. We're trying to launch all over the world, but it's challenging to be a really well-known brand in Mexico in a country who understands what an artisan is and then go explain that to individuals who don't understand what artisanry is. So for us, the biggest challenge is communicating what we've built here in Mexico, telling the story and explaining why this cause is so important. And, you know, the U.S. is 10 times bigger than Mexico. So how do we actually make a name for ourselves, build our brand has been extremely challenging, but something that we welcome every single day. I think it's been really exciting for us to try new things, try new segments and see the data and see how it works. And then I think globally, just to end things off, we're going through a very difficult economic time internationally. So how do we make sure that we maintain or increase the demand? Because for us, increased sales and increased demand directly translates into increased hours and increased jobs for artisans. So I think economically it's for us to think about, okay, how do we make sure that we're recession proof? How do we make sure that we're adapting and still become relevant internationally on this global scale? This also leads me to my next question. In such a complicated time globally, due to war, inflation, and food shortages, how does someone somewhere plan to add its grain of sand? It's a really good question and a hard question to answer. I mean, like you said, there are so many causes to care about in the world. We're in a very challenging time. And like Danny mentioned, we're really calling to change makers to find their cause, to be passionate about it, and also do something about it. For us, our cause is actually providing constant and just jobs and communities. So the way we're tackling what's happening in the world is kind of building that profoundness and deepness in communities to make sure that we lift people out of poverty. So we can't tackle everything. We're trying to make sure that we have a clean value chain that we can build out this cause and have it impact the most people possible. And that's the way we're kind of hoping to leave our mark on society right now, not just in Mexico or Latin America, but hopefully like Danny mentioned in Africa and Asia and internationally. I'm almost done with my questions, but I do want to know how was the Meet the Artisan practice created and how does this add to your impact as a brand? How do you measure your impact in the way people consume? 
Yes, Meet the Artisan is actually one of our favorite initiatives we ever had. And this came to be like we mentioned before, we had to stop going to the communities because of COVID, because we didn't want to put them at risk. And before I tell you any of the Meet the Artisan story, we need to tell you what is the root of our name so that we can understand all of this better. So someone is for the person doing the products and somewhere is for the communities that they are doing the products. And also someone stands for the someone receiving it and somewhere for where the person is receiving it. So it's a play of words that we love. And that being said, all of our products have a label where you can see someone signed from the artisan hand, their name and somewhere where they did it so that you can have a bigger connection to the product that you are receiving. And then with that and with the pandemic that we had to stop going to the communities, we didn't want that connection to be lost. So we were thinking about how we can make this connection even stronger and not only with the team, but also with everybody that is familiar to someone somewhere and that is getting to know someone somewhere. So we really wanted to create a big connection between the artisans and everyone that is receiving this product. So we created this, this new platform where you can scan your, your label and it takes you directly to the artisan who made your product so that you can see, for example, I'm going to talk about Lucero that has been one of the artisans that has worked with us for a really long time. So you can see what does she like? Why did she become an artisan? If she has kids, what is her favorite color? So that you can get to know her a little bit better. And we wanted to take things even one step further. So you get to know the artisan, but the artisan can also get to know you. So you can leave them messages and we make sure those messages are being delivered to them. And for us, that is extremely important because as we have mentioned before, we are working with companies internationally. So for us, it is of extreme importance that the artisans are knowing where the impact of their products is going. So you should see their faces when we tell them that people in the United States, in even Africa and Asia are receiving their products and they are loving their products. So it's amazing for them. It creates a bigger connection. It, it gives really more integrity to, to their job because they love what they do. And if they see other people loving what they do, it motivates them even more. So we love this initiative and we would love for anyone that has one of our products to take this time to really get to know the artisan and the artisan to get to know them. I think it's beautiful turning a social cost into something more. It's not just doing something for someone in need or just getting their art. It's getting to actually know them and the process going both ways. Thank you, Daniela. Yes, and you mentioned on how does it affect us on the consumer part. How does consumer behavior affect someone somewhere? Yes, well, we try to be as transparent as possible. Like Nadine said, not only with the artisan, but through our whole supply chain. And I think that that gives all the consumers, that being our direct-to-consumer channel or our business solution channel, that sense of transparency. 
they can really get to know who is doing it and see that we are being truthful about what we are saying. And also it creates for the consumer a more conscious consumption because you are actually knowing the people who are making your products is like you can put a soul into it. So you are more in touch with the products. They have a more meaningful connection. So we are creating more consciousness around all this consumption world. Thank you, Daniela. Those were all the questions I had. But before closing up, I want to ask both of you, what sort of advice would you give to people that are interested in opening a social business or that want to dedicate their lives towards making a change? What would be your message to the people listening? Yes, this is a great question. I think the number one thing that I would say is don't try to be perfect in this journey because I know a lot of people don't get into this social work because they are afraid that they are not going to do it right. And I just want to say there is no right or wrong here. Why? Because nobody's doing it. So you're going to be a disruptor. You're going to be the first person doing it. So you are going to make mistakes, but those mistakes are going to make you better along the way. And we have made a lot of mistakes, but we have learned from each mistake and it has made us better. So really be patient with your journey and allow yourself to not be perfect because we don't need perfect people doing this in the social space. We need imperfect people trying to make the world better. So that would be my number one advice. I think everyone here at Someone Somewhere really struggles when we personally make mistakes because we have so much in our hands and we want to create this impact, but then we realize that we are trying. And even though we are not doing it perfectly, we are really creating a change. And we can look over the years and really see the change that we have been making. So I would invite everyone to just give that one small step and just get started and then create your imperfect journey towards this social work environment. Oh, Danny, tough act to follow. Do I have to follow that? Um, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well said. I mean, obviously, I agree with Denny. I think the world needs more courageous people to solve a really important challenge in the world. So I would agree with Denny, but I would add be courageous because we need to be brave in this world. And that's the only way that real change and I'll say real positive change will happen. But I also want to give something a little bit more tactical to those thinking about social entrepreneurship, thinking about social enterprises, is the best way to grow and the best way to drive change is through collaboration. And so I would really welcome and invite people to collaborate with the private sector, collaborate with the public sector, collaborate with nonprofits. I think when we have cross-sector collaboration, all of the work that we can do and all of the change we can have will be amplified exponentially. That's what we're seeing at Someone Somewhere. We're partnering with the likes of large organizations and small foundations and governments to make sure that our models work. So in addition to not being afraid of being perfect, like Danny said, being courageous, but like, don't be afraid to partner. Partnering is how we make the world better and can really spread some good vibes. So I'll leave it at that. Didn't beat Danny, but I tried. <laughs> 
It was perfect. I really want to thank you both for being here today and sharing all of this wonderful work you're doing. I think what is left to ask is what's next for someone somewhere? What's next is a really good question. We don't know yet. Right now, we're, we're still taking everything in stride. I would love to do a little plug for business solutions. It's the way we're having a lot of impact in communities. So if you're an organization that's looking to really rethink your buying decisions, to rethink how you can drive sustainable and social impact, we can help you. Feel free to reach out to Danny or myself. Like We will collaborate with you and make sure that we can drive real impactful change for your business, as well as for the communities that we work with. Myself, like we will collaborate with you and make sure that we can drive real impactful change for your business, as well as for the communities that we work with. Perfect. Again, thank you very much both. And also thank you to everyone who tuned in with us today through the Mexico Business Now podcast. We'll see you in the next one.